this is a, such an appropriate episode to kick off January 2023. Oh, sure. If you're a dry January person. Yeah. We support you. If mm-hmm. you're not a dry January person, we support you. Totally. Because it's so nuanced. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Please Bless This Podcast, the podcast where two sisters talk about all things Mormon and pop culture and sometimes booze. Booze. Uh, I'm Elisa. I'm Katie. Oh, where to even begin? So <laughs> today we're talking about Below Deck, the sure. Bravo show Below Deck. But it's a springboard to talk about Mormons and booze because there's right. just a lot to say there. Yeah, we have some things to say about Mormons and booze. Uh, Below Deck is the pop culture try-in. T- tie-in. Mm-hmm. And um, here we go. Here I do want to mention, we just realized Mercury is in retrograde. Retrograde. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's affecting us. It's really. Yeah. It's affecting I'm... us, our equipment, our extended families. So just bear with us. Um. Okay. Below deck. Let's talk about this. So. You tell me about this show. What? I'm going to tell you about this show. So for this episode, we watched a couple of episodes of two different um, series within the below deck universe. <laughs> So the original Below Deck, the premise of the show is that um, we follow the crew of a super yacht. And so the the stewardess is the deck crew, the captain are our main characters, and then they have guests coming on um, throughout the season who are wealthy and often poorly behaved. Mm-hmm. And we see them interact, but mostly we're following the crew and their stories. Right. So that's it's the premise like, of Below Deck. It's like Downton Abbey, but yeah. for like trashy Americans. Sure. If you wanna if you wanna be negative about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean, Below I... Deck is like the perfect gateway reality TV show. If yeah. you're someone who's like, I don't watch reality TV or I only watch like competition shows or cooking mm-hmm. shows or whatever, this is a great gateway into unscripted re- non-competition reality TV mm-hmm. because there's something for everybody. Like this is the one Bravo show that like my husband has like low-key watched with me mm-hmm. you know he doesn't he doesn't he wouldn't want me to maybe put that out there <laughs> I mean, he definitely <laughs> knows who captain lee is so let's wow. be real okay um so the original below deck started in 2013 the 10th season is airing right now mm-hmm. and we watched an episode of that for this episode captain lee is the captain of this series each series has their own kind of captain who returns each season and it's mostly based in the caribbean below deck med started in 2016 with captain sandy who i do not like she's a sociopath Mm -hmm. and it's based in the med and there are seven seasons Mm -hmm. below deck sailing yacht started in 2020 three seasons so far it's captain glenn they're also in the med usually around mayorka i love that you're calling it the med and just like (laughs) hello below deck lingo that's what it is okay sure (laughs) and um obviously based on the title you can guess that that's a sailing yacht which is a whole other animal and below deck sailing yacht is phenomenal if you're gonna start one of these franchises from scratch I would start Below Deck Sailing Yacht. 
Mm, okay. Below Deck, the original, is great, but the first, because it's so many seasons, the first season or two feels a little dated. Mm-hmm. So that's that 2013 was a different was a different time. A different time. Um, after that, we get Below Deck Down Under 2022. There's only one season so far. Premiered on Peacock, but got picked up on Bravo. Uh, we got Captain Jason, and they're in Australia. And the newest is Below Deck Adventure. Also started this year, twenty or last year. Whoa, 2022. Um, the first season is currently airing, and we watched an episode of it for this podcast they have captain carrie and it's in norway the fjords mm-hmm. yeah in the fjords i kind of like the vibe me too i'm realizing i have watched every episode of every series within this franchise what on earth i had no idea that's crazy elisa i don't know if i realized that until this moment but i <laughs> have seen everything that's i know crazy everything. yeah I, of the two of us, I'm not definitely not the reality TV expert, nor am I the consumer. Like generally I don't watch reality TV, but I got a kick out of this show. Mm -hmm. Below Deck took me, it took me a minute to like decide to pay attention. Like my brain just kind of like blocked Mm -hmm blocked it out at first yeah and i had to be like no pay attention this is for the podcast like you have to watch this stupid fucking show um but then once i started watching it i was like oh yeah this is fun you know yeah i uh i can get into this and if you'd been watch, you wouldn't have felt that way about below deck season 10 if you are were as emotionally invested in captain lee's journey as i am mm. because in season 10 he's ill and he he eventually spoiler alert has to leave the season <gasps> oh no loses feeling in half of his body <gasps> and after 10 seasons i just like love captain lee so much and wow. i'm really rooting for him so yeah a great franchise great shows highly recommend so the two seasons that are currently airing are below deck season 10 and below deck adventure season one and both of those seasons have episodes that prominently feature mormon guests on the yacht yeah and so we were like here we go it's time for the podcast to talk about below deck you're like it's time to fold in my most favorite show ever that i've watched (laughs) a thousand episodes of yep exactly and the obvious thing to talk about when we're talking about below deck and mormons is the way that these mormon guests are behaving Mm -hmm. um well they're ex-mormon guests yeah and the way that they are drinking and talking about drinking mm-hmm. and the way that the relationship to alcohol that Mormons have and that ex-Mormons have and our experiences with that, there's just so much to get into. Yeah. Um. So the first episode I watched was Below Deck season 10, episode one, when all the mm-hmm. guests were ex-Mormon. And it was like uh, one of the guys' birthday and they were like presumably in their like mid 30s yeah which you i would agree on? they were behaving like they were 18 year olds with fake ids right like bonkers drunk Running when wild. they got there falling over breaking stuff yes like can't eat their food can't function no, no they're done and it's From- like not even the end of the day yet right it's like nine o'clock at night and they are fully looped yes having a really good time agreed that's the vibe with them and likable people like nice group but messy 
Yeah, for sure. Sloppy and, bunch. And we don't know right away that they have that ex-Mormon connection. It comes up later in the episode when they're talking to the chief stew, Fraser, and they're like, and Fraser's gay. And they're like, Fraser, have you ever been to Utah or Salt Lake? Like, it's actually super gay friendly. You would probably love it. And I was like, what? Utah, yeah. Salt Lake? And that, and that's when you kind of find out. Like, yeah, we're all yeah. ex-Mormons and we're so fun. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that maybe explains. And And if you watch these shows like I have, you know, a lot of guests get messy. It's not just the ex-Mormons. Yeah. But the ex-Mormons doing it is a good springboard to talk about what right. happens when you go from like alcohol is something you can you cannot touch your soul depends on it to like <laughs> go at it yeah i guess go for it quick recap of below deck adventure season one episode six um the charter guests are all ex-mormons led by heather gay from mm. the real housewives of salt lake and Angie Harrington, who's also a friend of on this season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake, and their friends. And then there's also a ex-Mormon stewardess on yes. the season of Below Deck Adventure. So a few things about this episode. Yeah. I think, so obviously Heather Gay, we've talked about her on the podcast. Yes. We've talked about Real Housewives of Salt Lake. We are fans of Heather Gay. Yeah, um, Absolutely. She has a book coming out in February called Bad Mormon, a memoir. And clearly, like, Mormonism is a, a pretty central part of her brand and being a bad Mormon. But it comes up so much on this yeah. episode of Below Deck Adventure that it's, like, embarrassing, weird, awkward. Yeah. And, like, seems a little bit scripted, which is weird for this show. Yeah. And if not scripted, just, like, that's, like her script that she generally goes off of like you know i'm mormon royalty and these uh -huh. are you know just little quips about mormonism yeah it's like okay we know like right like one scene in every episode of below deck is that um the captain gathers together the heads of department and says like these are our guests who are coming here's a quick bio of the main of the primary charter guest and the primary charter guest is heather and her bio says she was mormon royalty or married to mormon royalty right. that's your bio when you go on a luxury cruise vacation what yeah no it doesn't that's, even make sense that's her bio from the real housewives of salt lake right that's not her actual that's not who she is right. but i love how casey the i don't know what her position on the boat was she's, she's a stewardess oh sure um she immediately is like there's no such thing as mormon royalty i'm an ex-mormon yeah. like right i'm not sure what she that. means by that and like i agree i remember when first hearing heather say that and being like what what does that yeah. even mean especially right. because like she doesn't have a super prominent Mormon name. You know, if her last mm -hmm. name was like Hinkley or Monson or yeah, something like that, where, you know, it's one, of, it's a name that we recognize from the leaders of the church. I would sort of get what she meant for sure. But I think she just meant I mar married into a super rich Mormon family. And it's like, right. sure. So did a lot of people. Right. That doesn't mean and anything. Like, and I think she means too, yeah, my family's been in the church a long time. Sure, so have a lot of families. Right. You have pioneer ancestors. Look around. Who doesn't? Know? So do we all. We sure do. 
Um, that's another <laughs> weird moment where her Mormonism comes up. She orders eggs Benedict mm-hmm. and then says, like my pioneer ancestors. <laughs> what What? are you talking about what could she possibly mean by that were they eating a lot of eggs benedict in the willie handcart company they sure weren't (laughs) but you know what i actually really loved that moment because i was like she's make she's having fun with it like she's just saying stuff you can tell she's having fun with it but it's getting to be a bit much (laughs) um there's another moment where angie harrington is like heather would you kiss any of the deckhands which was kind of awkward they're actual people not just like little toys minions (laughs) right (laughs) um and heather's like no i wouldn't kiss anyone without a spiritual and religious connection (laughs) that's (laughs) funny (laughs) so you know she's a comedian man coming up a lot yeah another thing i noticed so mormonism is her brand but bad mormonism and so there are a lot of these moments too where it's like let me show how bad i am yeah and she makes kind of random jokes about like anonymous sex there's this joke about scissoring that felt like it came out of nowhere totally (laughs) yeah not only it was another joke that just didn't make any sense but it was like how often do you hear the word scissoring on tv (laughs) not that often (laughs) it really caught me off guard i can't say i hear it too much but just in general you can tell she this group is not as messy as the ex-mormons on below deck that we watched but they're clearly like let's let loose let's like finally be free and casey says that she says freed mormons are so fun and i thought that phrasing was interesting so freed from what let's talk about like mormon your relationship to alcohol when you are a mormon yeah let's talk about growing up mormon and what you think of alcohol and people who drink it Mm -hmm. because that's a whole thing so i most people know mormons do not drink alcohol among other things mormons don't drink caffeine hot drinks coffee tea uh because of the word of wisdom and we've talked Uh, about the word of wisdom on this podcast received in 1833 by joseph smith Mm -hmm. recorded in doctrine and covenants 89 we talked about it a lot on our episode about soda and caffeine because mm-hmm. the language around that is confusing yeah. <laughs> but the language around alcohol i looked it up just this morning it's also mm-hmm. a little confusing it is for sure okay i'm gonna read to you from doctrine and covenants 89 this is very exciting please uh verses four through seven behold verily thus saith the lord unto you in consequence of evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days I have warned you and forewarn you by giving unto you this word of wisdom by revelation. I remember being taught that this meant that there would be people who were like persecuting the Mormons and trying to get them through things like alcohol, coffee, mm-hmm. whatever. And so right. the reason we don't t- partake is not just for our health, but to like avoid being taken in, swindled, harmed by these persecutors. Did you get, were you taught that? Yeah. Which is weird. <laughs> and feeds the Mormon persecution complex for sure. for sure. So going on, verse five, that inasmuch as any man drinketh wine or strong drink among you, behold, it is not good. Neither meet in the sight of your father, only in assembling yourselves together to offer up your sacraments before him. Oh, really? Huh. But it goes on and behold, this should be wine, yea, pure wine of the grape of the vine of your own make. 
So this makes it sound like Mormons can drink wine when they're gathering together for sacrament. Yeah. As long as they Which... make the wine themselves. Right. Which Mormons do not drink wine when no. they take the sacrament. They drink water. And if you were like, in our ward, we're going to make our own wine and drink it at sacrament and that'll be fine for the word of wisdom. You would not get away with that. That would be a huge problem. Even though that's actually what it says. Right. And this is the thing I feel like I'm realizing more and more as we talk more about Mormonism within the context of this podcast is how much of the doctrine like actually doesn't make sense. There are the a lot actual, of little like, things origin texts don't say what what modern mormons say they say and this is just another example so anyway verse seven and again strong drinks are not for the belly but for the washing of your bodies (laughs) so we should be washing our bodies in like whiskey or like i guess i i assume means washing your like wounds like dressing your wounds with alcohol sure i guess that's the reason i'm so sorry of it but still just kind of weird right yeah but the way this is actually practiced in modern mormonism is you absolutely cannot drink alcohol of any kind no and if you do you can't go to the temple which means you can't get married uh, for eternity and you can't be with your family forever so the consequences are pretty serious Mm -hmm. yeah it's a huge problem and it's you know not only like strictly within the church like sure you won't be able to go to the temple it'll be a huge issue for you within the church but also just like culturally the way that you're perceived by Mm -hmm. other fellow mormons is pretty interesting Mm -hmm. um i thought a lot about that you know when thinking about my own relationship with alcohol because i'm like why you know because i growing up didn't think i would ever touch alcohol Mm -hmm. or drugs or you know I never would have thought I would experiment but not Mm -hmm. only that but I felt a lot of judgment and like pity for anyone who did like it wasn't just it wasn't like some like neutral if not like kind of looked down upon thing that other people did it was like a big sin yes and I don't I would be curious to hear what other folks who grew up in Mormonism have to say about that because I do know that we have a history of alcoholism in our family. And because of that, it was really framed to us like you either abstain completely forever, never a drop, or you will be an alcoholic and it will destroy your life. Those were the options. And like, I do think that was a little bit specific to our family, but also not. Like, I do think that's a fairly common way to think about it for Mormons. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who have alcoholism in their family have it framed to them like that. Mm-hmm. But when you add Mormonism to that, mm-hmm. it's just like a recipe for yeah, a, a lot of uh, a complex. Yeah, a lot of pressure, a yeah. lot of misguided. Yeah, it's just it was a mess. It was a toxic, right? Let's say it's interesting too when you look back at the actual text of DNC eighty nine and it says like. To protect you from, you know, these mm-hmm. connivers out in the world who are going to try to get to you. Don't drink alcohol. Not to, like, not because alcohol is inherently evil. That's not what it mm-hmm. says. But right. that's what it's come to mean culturally. Yeah. It's, it, it, abstaining from drinking alcohol will protect you from the influence of the devil and mm-hmm. will protect 
your spirit will, mm-hmm. you know, help you to keep with the Holy Ghost, you know? Yeah. That's, that's pretty serious, you know? No, that's true. That was definitely another big framing we had was like, in the church, when you're baptized and confirmed, you're told you have the gift of the Holy Ghost, that it can always be with you. And you don't want to do anything to like dull the influence of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And so things like alcohol or all kinds of things are yeah. said to to do that and there thereby put you into danger, right? What a perfect thing because like, yeah, alcohol does like Mm -hmm. literally dull your senses right you know it's scary the consequences are enormous Mm -hmm. and there's just this culture of like pity you know Mm -hmm. there's no under like real understanding I think because most Mormons never drink Mm -hmm. so there's no like real understanding of like what's the deal with alcohol you know they don't know they never have done it a lot of them have had generations of family who've never tried it so -hmm. there's just blind judgment and just no understanding so yeah when it comes to like if you have a family member or a friend in the church who's drinking all you can offer them is like judgment and pity Mm -hmm. you know it's not healthy at all no you're making me think about like even um you know, because I went to college in Utah, there was a long period of my adulthood where I just wasn't around people who were drinking at all. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Wisconsin, yeah. <laughs> where people's <laughs> entire like social lives circulate around alcohol. I mean, it's just yeah. true culturally. Um, and I say that without judgment; it's just like a reality, right? Um. And so it was just like a social thing that we, you get together with your friends and your family and you drink and you chat and you hang out. And that's what social life is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember talking to like our mom about like a good friend of mine and her family and how I'd gotten together with them. And she's like, what did y'all do? And I was like, well, we, they had some wine and we just chatted, you know, and like played some games and whatever. And it was like a real perspective shift for me to see that people could drink alcohol in a social, friendly way. And it was just like a thing they were doing together. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't loaded. It wasn't like right. a problem. It was just natural and normal. Yeah. And it like literally brought them together in some ways. Yeah, and it was just neutral for them. It wasn't like a cause for for, like trouble or anything. It wasn't a problem. Right. Yeah. And I remember talking about that with mom and her her kind of being like, I could just kind of see the glitching happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 that can't be right. There has to be something sad here. (laughs) There has to be something wrong about this. And I get it because I thought the same thing for a long time within the framework of the church. You can't just drink alcohol and have it be a neutral thing. And so when when Mormons leave the church, it's hard to not bring that with you. Even as mm-hmm. you're like, I'm going to drink. It's not a neutral thing Some for some and for some period of time. Mm-hmm. We're not speaking for everybody. but And I think, honestly, I, I think it feels strange and, and you feel insecure about it for most ex-Mormons. Like, yes. I think you can kind of say for most people, it's weird yes yeah um 
so let's talk about our experiences with alcohol. Let's. You go first. Tell me about it. Okay, I'll go first. So I never touched alcohol into my 30s, like not even a sip. And people would ask me, not even a sip? And it was like, no, literally nothing. I wouldn't have even considered it. It was just like not even on the table. Yeah. I was in my mid-20s before I even had caffeine, for crying out loud. <laughs> like I was not drinking alcohol. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, I went to, I got my PhD in Wisconsin. It was a big cultural shift. I was just around people drinking more and seeing it in a way that I hadn't seen it or understood it before in my life mm-hmm. as this like social neutral thing though of course I knew people too who were struggling with alcohol in that same culture mm-hmm. it was just like oh that's you know a sort of specific issue mm-hmm. it's not the whole of alcohol right right um so I, as I was kind of deciding about leaving the church in general and making choices in general that led me out of the path of Mormonism, I was asking myself, like, do I not drink alcohol because I don't want to, because I think it's a sin, because I think it's bad for me? What is my reason? Mm-hmm. And I realized at that point, my reason was fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. I just had never done it and I was afraid. And fear of being vulnerable because I was in my 30s and had no experience with this thing that most people in the world have experienced much earlier in life. And I didn't want to be that like obvious about how little Mm -hmm. I knew about a thing that everybody knows about. And I was like, those aren't good reasons Mm -hmm. to me. So I'm going to try it. Yeah. And so I enlisted my good friend. Um, to kind of like tutor me in the ways of drinking alcohol and she was all for it she was great I remember the first time I ever had alcohol it was at her apartment we were watching Bravo of course (laughs) and probably below deck for all I know and we had Prosecco Mm -hmm. and it was bubbly and sweet and we had like strawberries with it and I was like hmm you know, I didn't particularly love the taste. I doubt that I finished a glass because it was too strong. And, mm-hmm. you know, the flavor of alcohol was not pleasant to me. But I remember sleeping really well that night. <laughs> and I was like, aha, this is why people do the like one glass of wine, right? It's yeah. Like, That'll put I you just right to slept bed. like a freaking baby. And I yeah. felt all warm and cozy inside. But then... After that, after kind of word got out that I was trying alcohol, I had friends who really were eager to like introduce me to things. I bet. And I actually found in my phone, I kept this note of um, all the drinks I had tried and I rated them on a scale from one to 10. And I didn't do this for very long because, you know, whatever. But I hated everything. I got to tell you, I hated everything. Nothing was getting above like a four on a scaled one to 10. But some of the things I tried, um, I tried like a summer shandy beer Mm -hmm. and I gave it a zero. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) I hated it so much. It's like the only sip of beer I've ever had. I thought it was disgusting. (laughs) Um, I tried... uh, a white Russian somebody thought I might like a white Russian I put a negative 10 it was so 
disgusting. <laughs> I I like Diet Coke, so someone was like, you should try Diet Coke with red wine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Barf. Horrible. Hated it. <laughs> I hated like everything. The only thing on here that I kind of liked was frozen margaritas that were fruit flavored and basically yeah. just tasted like a fruit slushie. Yeah. I gave that actually a nine. Yeah. But then I added a note that was like, this gave me a headache. <laughs> yeah. Too sugary for sure. So those are my like early days notes. That's so fun. Where I was trying alcohol and it was kind of funny. I did encounter some friends who were like a little pushy mm-hmm. and I didn't yeah. love that. And then there were people who were judgmental, mm-hmm. like not close friends, but I remember people being out with us and hearing like, oh, you're just starting to drink like welcome to the real world and i was like don't be an asshole talking about like plenty of people don't drink right and there are so many reasons people don't drink anyway that was its own sort of thing that i navigated for a while um i definitely i had other friends of mine who were leaving the church around the same time as me and starting to drink around the same time as me and i would see some of them get a little weird with it like Mm -hmm be like I'm gonna buy this like obscure liqueur and start making this like real niche cocktail and that's gonna be like my thing and other people I knew who hadn't grown up in Mormon alcohol culture were like that's weird people don't do that yeah so there was this kind of overcorrection that Mm -hmm. I was seeing a lot and I have good friends of mine never Mormon friends who are like who at this point are like, I can spot an Exmo based on how they talk about alcohol. Oh, that's Like before funny. I know anything about them, mm. I'll, I'll like hear them talk about liquor and I'm like, oh, did you grow up in Utah? Yeah. <laughs> and nine times out of 10, they're right. Like I, I do think there's this, yeah, this way of being like, oh, but look at me, look at me. I drink alcohol. Yeah. That other people don't feel like they need to do. Right. It's sort of like, and they don't realize they're doing it, but they're being like, look at me. I'm drinking. I drink. Can you you know? Can you believe it? Aren't I so normal and cool? And other people are like, "Um, you'd be a lot more normal and cool if you didn't say how normal and cool you were being. (laughs) So anyway. Poor little Exmos. I know, right? Ultimately, I'm bad at drinking alcohol. I don't like the taste of almost anything. Um, the couple of things I have, like the taste of, it's mostly because I mask it with juice or mm-hmm. soda. Yeah. And even then, it just like makes me feel hot and it gives me a headache. And I've maybe finished like three drinks in my entire life. Wow. So I've kind of decided I don't really want to bother too much with it. Like I'm not like, oh, I'll never have a drop of alcohol again, but I'm not. Yeah. It out. And that's it. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny as somebody who like does not have like a good relationship. I mean, I don't have a relationship with alcohol. I don't drink anymore, but when I did, it was not a healthy relationship. Hearing you say that, I'm just like, I think that that's, I just, it just tickles me. I'm bad at drinking alcohol. (laughs) It's like, good. Yeah. The way to go. You know, you made it. You uh, went through your little, uh, hobbit's journey of i'm gonna try these alcohols and then didn't work out turned out bad i didn't really want to and i just drink water and diet coke yeah 
and that's it i know before this episode i was like i want to have a little drink a little prop drink like do i have like any soda or anything i don't have a damn thing in this house yeah it's such a shame and you know what's funny it's how i know because i haven't had a drink in more than five years it's how Mm -hmm. i know that i'm deep into sobriety because when you first get sober holy moly the amount of sodas Mm -hmm. and like LaCroix and like yummy little drinky poos you have to keep in the fridge so that Mm -hmm. you like always get to have a fun little drink to compensate for not having alcohol that shows that makes a lot of sense to me made me feel good to think about yeah I'm lucky too that my husband who's an ever Mormon so doesn't have the kind of baggage around alcohol I do he just doesn't really like it it just doesn't make him feel very good and so it's just not a thing I mean I guess we do have alcohol in our house because Mm -hmm. people give it as gifts you know Mm -hmm. um but it just sits there and it's not like a thing we're really thinking about or worrying about or whatever and i'm happy with that i Mm -hmm. am way happier with that than with like being afraid of it yeah so i think it's great yeah alcohol is cool i have alcohol in my house too because people give it as gifts which (laughs) an important lesson maybe an important takeaway don't give alcohol as a gift unless you unless you know the gifty very right. well right because you all like truly are abstaining <laughs> yes yeah you don't want alcohol as a gift no we don't want alcohol but we keep it got some nice champagne some <laughs> nice wine it just sits in the cupboard uh-huh. somebody can crack into it someday someday okay what about you what's what's your story Katie Yeah, my story looks a little bit different so like I mentioned when I was like growing up in the church and like a kid and a preteen I was I would never have imagined I would drink Mm -hmm. and I was like a very goody two-shoes like kind of judgmental Mormon kid Mm -hmm. just your average Mormon kid really (laughs) at the end of the day um I don't know what happened well first I was gonna mention I remember I don't know if it was before your mission or after your mission, but you made me promise that I wouldn't do drugs or drink. Hmm. I don't know if it was like maybe right before I started high school or I was in middle school. I don't know. But I remember being pretty young that I, and and I had never used drugs or alcohol at that point, but I remember thinking, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep that promise. Uh, and, uh, that's and I felt, so funny. And I felt bad because I, of course- promised you i wasn't gonna I'm yeah like, i don't know lisa um but yeah uh that's did i like sit you down and be like katie promise yeah me. i remember we were in my room i remember what i was wearing i was wearing this red i think byu sh- well i don't know why byu shirt would be red maybe it was like a hilkamora pageant shirt maybe it was after your mission mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that anyway yeah hilkamora pageant is another thing we got to talk about one of these <laughs> days <laughs> for sure um so yeah at that point I had you know 13 or whatever I had not done any experimenting with anything but I was very much like I don't know I'm on a path Elisa we'll see (laughs) but yeah I don't know I don't know what happened I was such a good little kid I don't know if I got like kicked in the head or (laughs) you know I don't know what happened to me but I was certainly on a path I I think I just didn't really have any good like real role models day to day who were like Mm -hmm. real with me about stuff and I just I was just doing what my friends were doing so by the time I was in high school I started experimenting 
to be honest with prescription drugs first because that's just what happened to be what my friends were doing it was Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of a rough crowd I wasn't like taking exorbitant amounts of anything or getting super high but it was just kind of a like a little bit of a thing we did yeah it was an icebreaker um and gateway as they say it was a gateway as they say not not a normal gateway kind of a weird gateway but a gateway Mm -hmm. and then things just like kind of progressed from there I just was kind of doing what everybody else was doing so I I think uh the summer after my freshman year of high school is when I started drinking and smoking weed but I mostly just smoked weed through high school I wasn't like a really big drinker I was like sometimes a weekend drinker like sure you know or like after prom for sure like after a dance you know but it wasn't like a big thing I mean it felt like a big thing to me of course Mm -hmm. it felt crazy but I immediately just like enjoyed it I didn't necessarily always like everything I tried in terms of like how it tasted but I liked how it made me feel I liked getting drunk and just having a good time and I had really Mm -hmm. fun friends as I got older my friends were less like sketchy and more just like normal teenagers who liked to smoke weed Mm -hmm. and so I was in like a pretty safe environment I was never in like super crazy um scenarios like scary party vampire dungeon you know weird you know you hear you hear stories or your mormon brain concocts ideas of what a drinking uh teenager you know is going to be up to but it was really just you know having a bonfire with my friends and whatever i love a bonfire it was a lot of fun that sounds delightful Um, totally and it really was mostly delightful like i had a good time i was really irresponsible and like pretty reckless like i went through like a pretty crazy phase not necessarily in terms of like drinking a bunch but just like doing stupid stuff I was like very stupid it wasn't until I was like 2021 when I started drinking like all the time like it went Mm -hmm. from just kind of a thing I did to like well now I like live on my own and I definitely by the time I was 21 I was like I can buy alcohol for myself like I'm gonna start drinking all the time Mm -hmm. and then it just quickly turned into a problem and at that time I was already married and my husband also very quickly started showing like major red flags for alcoholism and mm-hmm. like he like really desperately needed help. We tried to like make life changes to hopefully get sober and it just unfortunately didn't work out for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so there were several years where I was like daily drinking or at least near daily drinking and I didn't have anybody I could talk to about it. It was mm-hmm. a total, like, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't uh, talk to anybody in my family about it. Not only because of the history of alcoholism, there was this cloud over everything, but also just being raised in that sort of like pitying, mm-hmm. um, judgmental culture. Like I, I'm the type of person where I, I already, you know, I don't confide in people when I am in trouble or need help because I, I think because of that whole pity thing, I don't want that. That's unhelpful to me. It's unhelpful to people Mm -hmm. in general. And pity uh, and like shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're going to get. I don't, I didn't want people to think differently of me because I felt like I was able to keep up appearances somewhat, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I was just going to do that and just 
try to figure it out on my own. Jump to a few years later, I was probably like 24, 25, probably still 24. When I, uh, it just like really came to a head and I, and I realized I, I had been trying to get sober for my husband because he Mm -hmm. was really sick and, um, I had like kind of a mental shift and I realized I needed to do it for me because I realized I was also sick. I, I kind of didn't realize it until right before I actually did get sober, but luckily five years ago I did, I was able to do it. And so was my husband. It was Mm -hmm. just kind of a miracle. You know, it was a lot of hard work, but it's also kind of a miracle. Yeah. And, uh, and ever ever since we just like kind of never looked back. Uh, and and luckily uh probably a year or so into sobriety maybe a little bit less I was able to talk start talking to my family about it mm-hmm. um our family but it took a lot of guts yeah <laughs> it was not an easy thing to come clean about um do you I, remember how people reacted I remember you telling me I remember very vividly we were in West Jordan mm-hmm we were driving around. We had just mm-hmm. gotten so delicious. Hell yeah. And you were talking to me about it. And I was shocked. I had had no idea yeah. that anything had been going on. And I think part of it is I had no experience. Mm-hmm. And so I just didn't even know what to look for or to even know to look for anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I knew that you all drank or smoked weed or whatever, mm-hmm. but I just didn't even think about it beyond that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think too because it can kind of be like a fine line, especially when you're really young. Like I was really young when I was going through that stuff, so it was. It's a little bit like I think uh, some people wouldn't have recognized it in themselves. Mm -hmm. at that point either I think having a husband who was very sick from it like very Mm -hmm. physically like on the brink you know Mm -hmm. definitely shed light on it you know I found myself in situations where I realized I was sneaking alcohol and doing lots of like really Mm. seriously serious red flag behaviors that sure you know put me over that line you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah I remember telling you too and I remember it was the first time I was able to like kind of like take it seriously for myself Mm -hmm. when you are just only kind of going through it in your own head I don't know if it's just like a way to protect yourself but you can kind of make yourself feel like oh it's nothing it's nothing Mm -hmm. it's nothing and then you share it with somebody else and you start sharing like intimate details and it becomes like oh right like this is a fully formed problem yeah right now you know this Mm -hmm. is like needs to be addressed right now but yeah it was a long time before I told our parents um because I don't think I was I wasn't I wasn't sober when I told you Mm -hmm. I was still drinking yeah so yeah yeah. I remember that I remember you just telling me that there were you wanted to make a change yeah 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 I wanted to make a change we were in Utah I didn't live in Utah I lived in Washington Oregon at the time and I just I but I I was thinking about it a lot while I was there because I wasn't drinking but Mm -hmm. I remember thinking there's no way I'm going to be able to keep this up as soon as I get home like as Mm -hmm. soon as I get home from this like 
four or five days I was in Utah, I'm going to immediately drink. And I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, that was a big moment for me. But yeah, I don't know. What's the takeaway? What's the, <laughs> the takeaway? The takeaway for me, really a big thing is like, if you're a person who's um, ex-Mormon and like doesn't drink, or even if you do, I don't know. And definitely if you're somebody who's still in the church, definitely be aware of how you talk about these things with your children mm-hmm. and your loved ones, like avoiding that um, that shame and judgment and pity as much as you can and just be mm-hmm. real with people. Like this is a real thing. It's a normal thing. It can be a neutral thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that when you're in the church, you know, you follow the word of wisdom for the reasons that you do, but you don't need to blow alcohol up into like way more than it is because yeah. you're, you, you don't know who you're alienating. You could be alienating your little child that you love more than anything and that you want to protect. You could be accidentally sending them down a road where they, you know, lose control and have nowhere to turn because mm-hmm. of the way that you decided to parent them. So that's my takeaway. Yeah. I think that's a really good takeaway. I think one thing I'm thinking about as you're talking is like, because we had no experience with alcohol, no examples of alcohol, like consumption, but also discussion. Mm -hmm. It was just so black and white. And so, like you said, rooted in pity and shame and fear. Mm -hmm. Um, That was problematic Mm -hmm. (laughs) for all sorts of reasons and is not uh, I think a healthy way obviously to approach alcohol but the overcorrection of that I, that we sometimes see with ex-Mormons where it's like I'm free mm-hmm. and alcohol you know not drinking is like uh, silly right like mm-hmm. if you're not drinking you're not living yeah. it's like okay hang on <laughs> it is still more nuanced than that too yeah. For sure. And I think that um, finding that nuance and like a healthy way to like think about and understand and talk about alcohol mm-hmm. is maybe an ongoing project for ex-Mormons. I don't like fully know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it, still. I think it should be that same project for everyone. Like people don't do enough reflection, I think, when it comes to that sort of thing. A big problem for me was that I was using um, drugs and alcohol to Mm self-medicate for sure. I had a huge major uh, mental health spiral Mm -hmm. when I got sober. It was very difficult, made it it all the harder. Like getting sober alone is hard, but needing to figure out what kind of medications I needed to be on and getting Mm -hmm. into therapy. I mean, it was just like, I had been just completely covering up everything for my whole adulthood yeah (laughs) you know it was a nightmare so it's like you know if you're a person who let's say you're an ex-mormon and you haven't quite taken that step but you're kind of interested in um trying alcohol it's like how is your mental health like Mm -hmm. how's your relationship with the people you care about most do you feel like you can be honest with them Mm -hmm. um do you have people that you can confide in and do you do it regularly um you know um how do you feel about um socializing like do you feel like you have an easy time socializing or is it hard for you because that was another thing for me I had don't have an easy time socializing but I did when I drank you know so Mm -hmm. it just was not 
not a good fit for me. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to be a good fit for everybody, but it can be completely neutral. Mm-hmm. So, so good luck. Good luck. <laughs> no, I feel like that's very wise to think about it in that way. Um, I also just love that a silly little show like Below Deck mm-hmm. can get you sort of thinking about these kinds of things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is just my yet again plug for reality TV. Uh, I think that it gets a lot of hate as being mm-hmm. like lowbrow and um superfluous and like fluffy. And I think that it can be actually like sort of profound. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, like especially a show like below deck features real people like these Mm -hmm. people who work on these boats are like people i can see people that i've worked with at lots of customer service jobs or whatever jobs i've worked in my life like i see them reflected back in these characters Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of fun you don't get a lot of that on tv where you just have like regular people people. Yeah. yeah No, with totally. bad makeup and bad hair yeah and bad choices and yep it's fun Katie, how do we always go deep we can't help it we're philosophers this is a, such an appropriate episode to kick off january 2023 oh sure if you're a dry january person yeah we support you if mm-hmm. you're not a dry january person we support you totally because it's so nuanced do for what sure. you will make sense for you yeah you know what i've been wanting to do lately Mm. do a screen cleanse oh interesting not for a month because that's i don't i don't think that's doable but a little week or even a little business week interesting that could be my dry january i don't hate that idea but it does make me think about how president nelson the current prophet of the mormon church he like enacted this like social media fast do you remember this oh yeah. it was a couple of years ago and it turned out that there was some story breaking about like some scandal in his family and it mm-hmm. was like the same week that he was like let's just do a social media fast anyway you shifty ex-mormon shifty conspiracy theories but... yeah yeah i remember hearing about yeah that. that's do, so funny do a screen fast but not because an old man tells you to yeah 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 you have to come up with it on your own for yes sure. don't listen to me either you don't know what my you don't know what <laughs> yeah katie could have my she doesn't want you to see the story break yeah about her scandal thanks so much for joining us everybody yeah uh, follow us everywhere at please bless pod Email us at pleasewestpod at gmail.com. Oh my gosh, we got another um, review on Apple Podcasts. I want to shout out Shameless Hussy, which is an outstanding oh, yeah. username who gave us a really nice review. Thank you so much. Thank don't be you. afraid to write us a review on Apple Podcasts because we will love you forever. Yeah, don't be afraid. Please bless Captain, Captain Lee. Lee. <gasps> <gasps> I love Whoa. that we both went there first. I just want the best for him yeah uh please bless heather gay you know mm, she's going yeah. through an, an an important transition in her life please bless all of us yeah please bless me <laughs> thank and you please bless this podcast amen